Why, hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Urban Health Podcast, keeping busy people healthy. I'm Stephanie Webster, a nutritional therapist on Harley Street, London, specializing in fat loss, gut health, and hormone optimization therapy for busy executives and entrepreneurs over 40. That's a bit of a mouthful. I should really change that. Anyway, in this episode, we talk about cardiovascular disease and cardiovascular optimization. About 7 million people around the world have a heart attack each year and heart diseases are the most common cause of death in Europe. A serious heart attack leaves behind damage that the body can never fully repair. Why can't the human heart heal itself while some other parts of of the body, like skin or blood, are constantly being renewed and repaired? So, what can we do to look after our hearts better? Today, we have the pleasure of having Dr. Ricky Gondia on the show. Dr. Ricky Gondia... Hello! Doctor, How are you doing? I'm good. I'm going to introduce you a bit. Dr. Ricky Gondia is a private GP in the heart of the city who co-founded the Montague Clinic with Dr. Om Banerjee, who incidentally has a particular interest in sexual health. More on that later. Dr. Ricky graduated from UCL, has been a doctor for 15 years and has served as a clinical director for an NHS trust, has appeared on the BBC News, Radio 5 Live and the City Hospital. He's also hosted the One Click Clinic, the online health channel featured on YouTube and is known for his sensible advice, discretion and for being so easy to talk to that you forget you're at the doctors. Dr. Ricky, thank you so much for coming on to the show. You're very welcome. I love the intro. <laughs> so, you chose today's topic, and I can see why, because each year, one in four of us die from cardiovascular disease, and 175,000 are admitted to a hospital. Uh, that's insane. So, tell us why you chose cardiovascular. Well, it's, it's not sexy medicine, but basically, it's so important. My whole job as a GP, and I tell this to all my patients, is to stop their arteries from getting furred up. Obviously, people come to their GP when they've got a problem, a rash, an issue they need sorting out. But underlying all of that, we're always thinking, because our main job as primary care doctors is to stop the main cause for morbidity or problems in people, which is, and it's quite simple, it's just arteries getting clogged up in the same way that your uh, drain or sink, like the underneath your drain gets clogged up under a sink. The same thing is happening in our bodies, and, and that clogging of the arteries eventually causes problems around the bodies wherever that clogging is happening. So it is such an important area that we, that we deal with, and it actually kind of underpins everything that we do to a degree. So, you know, give me, give me an example. So obviously the people know about heart attacks and people know about strokes. That's when your arteries are getting clogged up in your heart or in your neck, uh, and if uh, a bit of that clogging breaks off or if there's a catastrophic kind of breakup of that clot and you had a sudden stop in blood flow, then you have a heart attack or a stroke. Uh, but that kind of uh, process is happening all around the body. So, for example, if a guy comes to me with uh, erectile problems, actually what the doctor should be thinking, of course, there's different cause, reasons why guys might not get an erection. But if a guy isn't getting an erection like he used to, the what's going through my mind, first and foremost, is his arteries are getting clogged up. And if they're getting clogged up in the penis, then they're getting clogged up in the heart and they're getting clogged up in the neck. Uh, and so actually, even though you can give someone some Viagra and make life a little bit better uh, in the bedroom department, actually, it's giving us a warning sign that it's happening. It's happening. It's happening elsewhere. And therefore, it's happening elsewhere. And we need to check this guy's uh, diabetes kind of status, uh, whether his cholesterol's high, what's his blood pressure doing, whatever the other kind of things that we can actually do to stop this process from happening. Um, we need to get jump on that and deal with it. So it's really about plumbing. 
It's all about plumbing. I am basically a glorified plumber. That is essentially <laughs> correct. No. I just need to find a system of clearing those pipes a little bit better, but uh, uh, rather than waiting for them to get clogged up. But yes, I'm a I'm a I'm a plumber. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned diabetes. So, in research for the show, I was on the British Heart Foundation looking up risk. Who is at risk and the risk factors? And in the order of importance, they listed smoking, stress, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, alcohol, obesity, and physical inactivity. And I thought it was very interesting not to see diabetes on that list. And I know you've got something to say on that. Absolutely. So uh, all of those that you've mentioned are important. And and, uh, let's take it back a step. So these are all risk factors for arteries getting clogged up, for these pipes that are getting clogged up. And so even though they're all different risk factors, some are more important than others. And it's really interesting that the most important risk factor for arteries getting clogged up isn't on that kind of a website. So diabetes, if I could choose not to have one of those risk factors, it would be to not have diabetes. Because uh, when you're diabetic, uh, any diabetics listening now will know that the doc is jumping on them and controlling their blood pressure and making sure they're not smoking, watching their cholesterol. Any diabetic, we start controlling all the other risk factors because diabetes massively speeds up um, uh, arteries getting clogged up. Diabetics have a much higher chance of heart attacks. They have a much higher chance of strokes. Uh, If you know any diabetics, you'll know that they go to annual eye screening because all their eye arteries are getting clogged up and that can cause blindness. Uh, Their kidney arteries can get blocked up, so we have to check their kidney function and make sure their kidneys aren't leaking too much protein every year. Honestly, if there's one risk factor that you want to avoid in terms of prolonging life and stopping arteries getting clogged up and stopping heart attacks and strokes, it's diabetes. Um, So... Uh, yeah, so that's the most important risk factor. So it's, that should be number one on that list. Yes, and there's a number of ways that you can test the condition of your arteries and your heart. And there is a correlation between increased homocysteine levels and uh, heart disease. But there's also a number of tests that you can do to assess the heart health. Blood tests, check um, x-rays, ECG. So what, what do you use to diagnose and, and help people understand the condition of their heart? Yeah, so there's an array of different tests that can be done and you need to adopt uh, quite a pragmatic and sensible approach because it's not helpful doing the all of these tests uh, in all people at all. So the, the approach would normally be, obviously people uh, come to the doctor when they've got a problem. Uh, you may think that, well, hold on, well, I don't want to wait till I get a problem. That, and that rightly so. So we, the two kind of cohorts of people that we'll see are people that are experiencing problems. So someone might come in saying, I've got chest pains, uh, I've got erectile dysfunction, whatever that problem may be, which are indicated that these arteries are all getting a bit clogged up. Um, and uh, some people might come for preventative uh, kind of more reasons. You know, I'm 40, I've got, you know, heart disease in my family, some people had some early heart attacks, whatever it might be, I want to make sure I'm okay. So I think we're talking about that cohort of people, because obviously the first cohort, we would start getting the ball rolling and doing whatever the relevant tests are. If you're kind of thinking, hold on a minute, I just want to check that I'm okay, there are a whole bunch of tests that you can do, but the normal approach from a GP will be to take uh, initially a history, uh, so asking all questions about um, what, uh, whether there's any evidence that arteries are getting clogged up, so for example, erectile dysfunction would be one of them in a guy. Um, if you're, The other kind of warning signs are if you're, when you're walking, you're getting calf pains uh, after a period of walking, which uh, then stop when you take a rest. 
uh, or if you're getting chest pains on uh, you know, walking, all these kinds of things are signs that arteries could be getting clogged up. Most often people won't have any of those signs at all. So if you've got a patient who's completely well in themselves and they want some reassurance that their heart's okay, then our recommendation would be to um, get some bloods done. Uh, so the bloods would be, the blood test would mainly be to ensure that we're not missing diabetes or cholesterol. That would be our approach. Uh, there's no harm in getting an ECG done. An ECG is when you uh, put 10 leads on the body, uh, 10 kind of uh, wires over the, over the, the chest and the limbs, uh, and the ECG measures electrical flow through different planes of the heart. Uh, through 12 different planes and um, you basically can figure out through the way electricity is moving through the heart whether there's been any kind of damage you can figure out from that whether the blood pressure is high uh, you can test, actually tell quite a lot of stuff just from that electrical uh, view of the heart um, and obviously we'd examine the patient too so we'd be doing things like blood pressure pulse make sure the pulse is regular we're um, checking checking for actual pulses so we check for pulses in the feet and the and up the legs to make uh, if you can't if you can no longer feel a pulse in the areas where you're meant to feel a pulse and that often gives us a sign that arteries are getting clogged up and so in in the doctor's mind we're we're painting a picture we're looking at all these things together and we're formulating a level of risk and then we match your level of tests that you do according to that risk. So, but reasonably, an ECG, anyone and everyone could have an ECG, uh, and that would uh, open us up to see whether there's any issues. Uh, there's also a test called an echocardiogram. That's like an ultrasound scan that a woman would have during pregnancy, but it's done on the heart and shows uh, blood flow through the uh, ventricles and the or to chambers of the heart. Uh, and you can tell whether there's any valve disease or any, if the heart's pumping in a funny way. You can also check how blood is flowing through the heart. So you get, that's a, a relatively non-invasive test. So it's really important to, to not do too much invasive stuff if you don't need to, because invasive mean, meaning poking people around and putting kind of wires up their arteries and stuff. Because you're going to, you know, what, the last thing we want to do is cause people undue uh, morbidity or damage when we don't need to do those kinds of tests. So we, we in a, in a non-symptomatic individual, the best approach would be to do hands-offy type tests. So your ECG, your echo, if you think echocardiogram, which is the ultrasound, if you feel is necessary. Now we are moving to uh, an area in now where there are certain types of scans which don't cause too much morbidity but would give you a lot of information and I, and I sense that over the next 10 to 20 years these might become possibly there might be room for, for screening tests uh, which are quite more in-depth let me give it um, let me, so the only way really to properly assess whether an artery is getting clogged up at the moment or in 20 years ago the only way to assess it was to actually pass a wire through the groin or in the arm uh, all the way uh, uh, in, sorry, not pipe, but pass some dye, sorry, into into a, an, into a blood vessel, and start taking some uh, pictures of the um, the blood flow going through the heart, and and you can almost see where the blockages are because uh, the blood, the dye wouldn't go through where the the the, the atheroma or the blockage is in the in the heart vessels. Um, so that's quite an invasive procedure for someone to do. However, there are now things called cardiac MRI scans, which are very very kind of fine slice MRI scans which rely on uh, magnets rather than x-rays and so don't pose any kind of radiation risk and these are actually ways that you could potentially assess uh, the, the how blocked arteries are getting uh, in the heart. Now it's not commonplace to do these tests on you know individuals just looking to check if things are okay, not at the moment anyway but I sense actually that over the next, I don't know, 
10 years or so that there may be room for people to do slightly more um, uh, um, in-depth scanning, which doesn't cause any problems as such, uh, to see whether there are any blockages uh, inside uh, the heart vessels. Yes, and I encourage uh, patients to be proactive in their health and preventative, take preventative measures. And coming to see you would be very beneficial because I know that you would not upsell them onto unnecessary tests. You've got a nice, sensible approach. But I really do encourage uh, patients to get seen before there's any symptoms at all if they want to optimize their health but there are some lifestyle changes that need to happen whether you have uh, symptoms now or not smoking alcohol and stress all contribute to uh, clogged arteries and in the city where you operate that is very prevalent and you help with helping uh, support people get get off these uh, things so how do you help them how do you support your patients so, of the uh, examples you mentioned there, so smoking, alcohol, and stress. So, uh, the, the main kind of confirmed risk factor out of the ones you mentioned there is smoking. There is some link with alcohol uh, and stress. Uh, I think there are some papers uh, which link stress to cardiovascular disease. It might be epi phenomenology in that a stressed person might be more likely to have a bad lifestyle and eat badly. Uh, so, it might be the the spin-offs from stress, which could actually be in turn causing cardiovascular disease. I'm not sure whether the stress itself is the problem, but it doesn't really matter. If We know that stressed people do get these problems more at the end of the day. Um, and so the main reason we help uh, are able to help people with smoking is, uh, well, the, the, with advising people on how to give up. And so uh, often people need, uh, it's been kind of shown that people do need to do this as uh, with support, with a program. Uh, so there's nicotine replacement therapy. So people, this is, you can get the kind of stuff over the, over the counter at your local pharmacy, things like um, chewing gums, which have nicotine in or sprays or patches. There's all sorts of ways of kind of tricking the body, or not tricking the body, giving the body nicotine, but in a way which is more healthy than actually uh, inhaling cigarette smoke. Um, uh, vaping, even though there are no long-term studies, people, it does feel very much within medical fields like it's got to be better than smoking. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, I don't think there's any firm data, but uh, the, the sense that I'm getting amongst my colleagues is that, you know, yeah, of course. It can't be as bad yeah, yeah. as smoking, and I and I and I follow that line too. Um, and then there's also medication to help uh, um, help people get off smoking. So there's the, the big one that people know about is called Champix. Uh, this basically kind of tricks your body uh, about the cravings of smoking, and it's normally a 12 week course of uh, medication where you start taking pills for the first couple of weeks. And then have a target date to stop smoking. So you're smoking during taking the pills initially, and then after your target date, you would uh, normally uh, come off uh, the, the cigarettes and start taking just the tablets for a further ten weeks. And the, you know, with people, and, and you can do that alongside nicotine replacement therapy uh, potentially, uh, as in taking stuff on the side, uh, just not smoking itself. Uh, and um, yeah, the, the, the rates for people coming off smoking are, are pretty good with that. And smoking is a, a real kind of significant uh, risk factor for for cardiovascular disease so um yeah that's how we would that's how we would help Mm -hmm. 
and we're going to include uh, a, a piece on how to give up smoking and include uh, attach it to this podcast when it gets released to help people get off smoking easier. So yep. I'm going to ask you now about prescription medication. Let's say we do have a heart condition and we're on statins or beta blockers or ACE inhibitors, and then we also take Viagra as well. Is that a problem? Not at all, not at all. So the only real reason why you can't have Viagra, there's lots of reasons, but the main one the doctor's looking for is uh, if you've got a low blood pressure. So that uh, any doctor checking to see whether you're okay taking um, uh, Viagra or sildenafil, which is the active ingredient in Viagra, um, should be checking uh, to see if your blood pressure is not too low because uh, the, the way that medication is working is by widening blood vessels, i.e. widening the vessels, uh, the blood vessels in the penis to enable blood flow to get through. Uh, and just uh, if you're widening blood vessels in the same way as plumbing, we'll come back to plumbing, uh, if you take pressure out, if you widen all the pipes in the system, the pressure inside is going to go down. So if you've already got a pre-existing low blood pressure, you'd be careful to give someone something which could make it go further low and then you've got a risk of fainting. There's a few other reasons uh, why you can't take, uh, couldn't take Viagra, but uh, that's the over and above the main one uh, which the doctor would be checking for. And you have health at work schemes where you can help companies and the, the different employees in that company optimise their cardiovascular health. And you also work with individuals and you put these packages together to help clean the arteries of the individual and get healthier throughout. So tell us what you do for individuals and what you can offer uh, people today. So as for individuals, uh, people wanting uh, a bit of a kind of a once-over, making sure they're okay, uh, we would bring them in, sit them down for about half an hour, uh, talk to them about uh, their, their life, the world, their kind of habits, um, and making sure there's no kind of telltale signs in their history that they are suffering with arteries getting clogged up. Uh, then our approach would be to take some blood tests to make sure we're not missing any uh, underlying risk factors for heart, heart for arteries getting clogged up, namely diabetes and cholesterol. But we'd normally do a general screen on top of that too, just to make sure uh, none of the organs in the body are affected. And then I think it's reasonable if, if uh, to do an ECG on everyone. There's no harm in doing an ECG on everyone who's concerned about heart health, uh, just to make sure that's okay. And then based on the ECG findings, the blood uh, result findings and the history, at that point we would normally either be able to reassure someone that things are okay and give them some lifestyle advice if they need it, or if anything gets flagged up, uh, that kind of stepwise approach is important. So then we would kind of uh, either, in, in, well, in extreme circumstances, be wanting a cardiology opinion, so a specialist who deals with uh, the cardiovascular system, or if, uh, if there were just kind of minor uh, issues going on with those initial tests, we may organize some further follow-up tests ourselves, like an echocardiogram potentially. So it is an art, and you kind of got to put a, paint a picture together. And what the doctor's doing, it's not kind of a binary thing. You need to kind of uh, put a history, a family history, a lifestyle history, uh, blood test investigations and examination findings, all of that kind of mix together, and you actually come out of that with, through the experience of the GP, a feel for what's going on in this person. Um, and, you know, your radar is going to be suspicious if, if they're saying certain things in the history and it might be not suspicious for other things. And, and, and our jobs basically are to put all that together and come out with a sensible risk assessment and, a, and an appropriate plan for the appropriate types of investigations. And, and that's what I do in my job. Dr. Ricky, I'm conscious that you have a patient appointment very soon. 
So unfortunately, I have to speak about Dr. Om and his offerings uh, on his sexual health interest another time. However, for any, so if anyone's listening to this and you want to uh, go and check out Dr. Ricky at MontagueClinic.com, Twitter, Montague Clinic, and info at MontagueClinic.com is the email, 60 Cannon Street. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. No worries. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Have a wonderful day, and thank you for joining the podcast. Thanks, Stephanie. Bye-bye.